uh, last week, it's kind of nice to see all your faces because last week we had a real skeleton crew here. I know there was a bunch of people that were flooded in and couldn't get anywhere, and I know that um, there was a lot of people who were traveling, so it's good to see you guys back. As we continue through the book of Genesis, we continue to see the foundations of our faith being established by God. The first ten or so chapters were all, all about faith and obedience. And two things we must have to follow God. The last couple of weeks, we started looking at service and sacrifice with some of the blessings that God gives us thrown in there. Last week, we saw Abram rescue Lot. Um, as they both got caught in the middle of a war, they really should not have been except for their previously bad decisions. We saw how Abram selflessly went after his nephew, destroyed the four kings, and brought back people safely to the king of Sodom. We don't see things the way that Abram did, but we can definitely learn to. He didn't do what he did because of the riches. He did it because it was the right thing to do. He did not want the spoils of war. He just wanted good to triumph over evil. Not only did he not want the riches, but when the priest Melchizedek blesses Abram, Abram gives a tenth of everything. Faith and obedience um, turn to selfless sacrifice and all because Abram knows that the Lord's in control of this situation. As we're going to see this week, the Lord sees ahead while we worry with our limited vision. He knows we doubt or just don't understand sometimes. And God is patient as we will read today in showing us his love for us. God shows Abram his future again and he makes a covenant. We're blessed to continue to see today um, that is still being played out. So let's stand. We're going to read Genesis chapter 15. And as we do, we're going to look for our three points today. It's a shield, an heir, and a covenant. So Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing. I want to drink some water so I can make it through this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed as the Lord, or he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
And he brought him always, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the, against the other. And he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Ab- Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking pot, a smoking fire pot, and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, "To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites." Amen. Um, you may be seated. Our, our text starts off after these things, telling us that it's important that we tie what is about to be said back to what we had just read had happened. As I continually say, proper exegesis always starts with context. Abram takes his family to Egypt to escape the, fam- the famine, and Abram messed up big time. Um, God protected Abram and his family, and they came out of Egypt, they split up, and Lot gets captured as a slave in a massive war. Abram defeats them all with his 318 men that were born in his household, and he brings them back safely. And God says to Abram here, Fear not, I am your shield. Why would God tell him this now? I mean, he's already been through all this other stuff. Shouldn't, shouldn't this have come up first? Well, he actually did. If you go back to chapter 12, when God first called Abram, in uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's not quite spelled out enough. So this time God gets really specific with Abram. And we read all about the faith of Abram. Stories are told, legends are written of the faith of this man. Yet the reality is he had uh, he had a lot of fear and he had a lot of doubt. He did many things in his flesh that we would have done if we were put in the same situation. And when I started teaching on the man Abram, I, I told you guys, I said, we are going to we are going to get a lot of great hope from listening and reading the story of Abram. Because our fears, our doubts, and yes, even in our, our, our mercy and our grace that we receive from God, 
they, they all kind of mirror what we see in the story of Abram. God shows us through Abram the humanity of people and the strength of his promises. So God promises to protect Abram. Before he spoke of cursing those who cursed him, but he really wants Abram to understand that he wants to shield him from the opposition. When we're told to go and put on the armor of God, shield of faith is one of those, uh, one of those items. And, and God says to Abram, in this instant right here, he says, I will be your shield. Putting on the armor is something that we do. It's an action that we take. We pick up the item, we put it on ourselves, but God is saying here that he's going to be Abram's shield no matter what. It doesn't have anything to do with Abram. The shield is there even when his faith is not. And if you get nothing else from what I talk about today, God's promise was not dependent on Abram's actions. The entire text we read today has absolutely nothing to do with what Abram does. God blesses, God forgives, God protects all because he wants to. There is no, if, if you do this, then I will do this statements in this text at all. This is totally God saying, I will, and implying, even if you mess up, I'm still going to do this. I will be your shield. I will be your protection. Fear not. This, this is a great lesson for us as well, because we try so hard in, in so many cases to be our own shield, to be our own strength, to walk in our own will. And, and, and God has poured out grace upon grace to us, and the death of, and resurrection of his son seals this promise for us. Just like we will read with Abram, we end up trying to do it in our way instead of God's. But God's words are simple, yet they're hard for us. I will be your shield. You don't have to worry. We have set up walls to protect ourselves, and God is sitting there going, take them down, I got this. I don't need you to do it. And we have enough faith not to worry. And can we let God handle it? If we're honest, no, we don't. <laughs> we, we, we have to do it on our own, right? And we, we do that and we make mistakes and, and we fall. His ways are so much better, but our pride says, no, no, God, I got this. I can handle it. It's fine. Don't need you for this one. This is not one of the God ones. This is just a me one, you know? And it's, it's difficult sometimes for us. But then, then God throws something on top of it. And he says, your reward will be great. Now, me, because I'm a human and I'm a person, the first thing that pops into my reward for what? All he's done so far is kind of messed up, other than going and saving Lot. I mean, he, he hasn't done anything great yet. So God is protecting him. Now he's rewarding him. I think this is one of those moments where we should find glorious hope in, in what's going on here. 
because it's not about our actions. It's about God's love. It's always about God's love. So we go into our next point, which is an error. Abram hears what God's plans are. But remember, Abram's got fear. Abram's got doubt. We all do. But to Abram, there's a bigger issue here. He has no heirs to pass on. What God's, God's given him these promises, but he's going, I, I, don't, I don't see, how is this going to happen? Eliezer of Damascus is his only heir. We'll read more about him when we get to it in chapter 24. Um, if you guys remember the story at all, Eliezer is the one that um, Abram sends to find a wife for Isaac. But, so that's, that's who that is. He's his most trusted servant. And that's why he's listed here as he's, he's my only heir. In verse 4, though, God says, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. So, even though Abram is older, he's like older, God still tells him that his son shall be an heir. Not only that, but he takes him outside and he says, Look at the stars of the sky. This is how many descendants you are going to have. God takes Abram outside to show him what his family tree is going to look like. And his children are going to be everywhere. Not necessarily his sons and daughters, but the descendants of all of these people that will come from his line. And, And... there's other sons that are involved other than Isaac, and we'll get into that actually next week. Um, but can you imagine a fatherless man in much later years in life being told that he would have this many descendants? He didn't even have one. So shall your offspring be. And then in verse 6 it says, And he believed the Lord and counted to him as righteousness. Now, now we see here, our text says that he believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. God proclaimed it would happen. But Abram's belief is important because it goes on a path that it just makes it easier for Abram to understand. This is true in almost everything in Christianity. If you believe it, it is so much easier to understand and to follow. We studied this a while ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. It says this, These things God has revealed through, uh, to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thought of God except for the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that he might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord, 
so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. When we believe and have faith and understand it is because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and guiding us to the truth that turn and in turn leads to action. We follow because he leads. We go because he tells us go. We love because he first loved us and he showed us how to love. This all starts with belief and when we truly believe we have no reason to doubt. We do. We all doubt. But we have no reason to. Because God says it. So a common saying in Christianity today is God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But the reality is God saying it should be enough. The belief should be an outward action of what we've already heard and know to be true. Because God said it. God, settled it. God said it and that settles it should actually be a more accurate term that we should be using. Because our belief just makes God's truth easier for us because now we're on the same page with God. We understand what He wants for us and, and we just go and do it. it, it's, it it's not com- Does that make sense? So God's first promise is that all of these people will be the offspring of Abram. The second promise that he makes here is that it's this chunk of land to put all these people in. Okay? A land of their own. In verse 7 it says, And he said to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. The Lord brought him out of Ur and to this place to show him. To show Abram the land that he was going to give to his offspring. We read here, the reality is, God takes him out here and says, look at all this. See? Land, land. Look at all the land. Yeah, you guys aren't moving in there for like 400 years, but look at it all. It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, really, that's what happens. What's happening here is that God is giving Abram prophecy. He is showing him what's going to happen. He's promising, Abram, he's, he's promising Abram here generational things. He, he, he sees what's going to happen with Abram's family, and he tells Abram ahead of time, here's what's going to go on. Here's what's going to happen. The point and the reason that God does this is because he says, you don't need to worry about anything. Your family, even though they go through all of this trouble and they go through this 400 years of slavery, they're going to come out of the other side and they're going to flourish and they're going to take this land and they are going to be awesome in this land. They are going to be a people that everybody looks to. Even though that there is some bad parts to it, what encouragement this is to Abram to know generationally, his line just keeps going on and on. We look for the now. We look for the how does it look right now to me. Ooh, it doesn't look bad. What do you mean? They're going into slavery? They're going to go into all this stuff? But faith allows us to see things through God's eyes and allows us to go, you know what? He's got a bigger plan than I do. He's always got a bigger plan than I do. 
So Abram says, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He says, bring, bring me the three-year-old heifer, uh, female goat of three years, a ram three years old, turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abel goes and he brings all these animals. This is kind of an important part here. Abram knows the purpose of bringing these animals, and he cuts these animals up accordingly. When, when there was an oath a blood oath that was to be made between two families. What they would do is you would have the two heads of the household, they would come together and they would discuss property, terms of conduct, whatever else needed to be done. Then they would dig a trench. They would cut the animals up and all the blood would go down into this trench. Okay? And I hope you can kind of see this mental picture because that's, that's what was going on here. So then the father of the groom or whatever, whatever it was that was being uh, oathed here would then stand up and he would take off his sandals and, and he would walk through this trench of blood, splattering blood all over himself and all that. The message was that if any of the promises that he just made, including... Uh, good behavior of a son or whatever was broken, a, a bride's wife or a bride's family could actually kill the father along, alongside the son. It was, it was a blood oath. To death you were making this agreement. Okay? Then the father of the bride would then take off his sandals and he would walk through sealing the oath and the agreement. Okay? So in verse 12, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Think about this for a second. You are making a blood oath with God. Do you think Abram thinks he can keep his side of the bargain? He's scared to death. Because he's making... He's making an agreement with the God of the universe. The oath to him probably seemed like a death sentence. Even if he could do it, could his offspring do it? And this must have been horrible for him to try and think about, like, how can I do this? God reassured him, kind of, sort of. And he says, you know, your descendants are going to be in this foreign land. They're going to be there 400 years. They're going to be mistreated. But hey, look on the bright side. After 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. Yay! Yippee! Oh, and they're going to leave there with great possessions. So, they're going to be wealthy. But God then takes the position of the groom's, the groom's father and, and you see this image of a smoking fire pot and a torch that goes through the trench. And we have this great image of God the Father making this oath with common man. And one that has no children or descendants or anything to go through. And again, this doesn't make any sense at all if you're looking at it through your own eyes. But if you're looking at it through God's eyes and, and, and you look at God saying, 
this is what I'm going to do, it makes perfect sense. God does not ever break his word. So when God says this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The best part is that even though God made this oath with Abram, we only read that God's the one that passes through the trench. We don't see anything about Abram having to do anything. God makes an oath here that doesn't need the other party to uphold. It's an oath of blessing that Abram can't either earn or lose. So how many of us feel that we have to do this or that in order to receive the love of God? If we do, we misunderstand the message and meaning of grace. So God walks through alone because he knows if you do, you can't keep your end of the bargain. He knows that. You can't earn grace. You cannot earn your own deliverance. Only God can give you those, and he is his own shield on you for the promises that he makes. Back in verse 15, God tells Abram that he's going to die of, you know, good age. And he's going to go in peace to his fathers. So let me finish with this. Peace is something we feel because we know that all is right. Even in the midst of troubles, we can have peace knowing that God is in control. Colossians 3, um, 12 through 17 says this. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have the peace of Christ, and no matter what we don't see happening, or even do see happening, it's for his good and for his glory. Have peace and be blessed that God died to give that to you. Only the knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ can give you peace. Everything else is just our own thoughts. And our thoughts aren't that great. We give them up to him and watch your life change. If you don't know Jesus and would like to know more, please see me after or talk um, to the person that you came with. I, I don't really do altar calls. I think the decision to follow Christ is something that should be personal. Um, 
and I, I don't think it's something we should do like emotional tugging or anything like that. And, and those who are younger, some of the younger ones that are here, just because your parents are Christian doesn't mean that you are. You need to, you need to make a decision yourself to follow Christ. You can do that or you can keep trying to do it on your own. His promises that he gives to us, guys, are shielded. The only thing we have to do is just accept them. Accept the love. Accept the grace. Accept the mercy that he's poured out on us. And he continues to all the time, even when we mess up. He, he walked through that trench by himself. Because he knows you couldn't do it. He sent his son to die on a cross because he knows you couldn't do it. All we have to do is accept the love that he gave to us. I'll stand up and we'll pray. Lord, I, I do thank you. I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your pictures that we get to see and, and, and we, get to, we get to acknowledge, Lord, that you are there for us. I, I thank you for the hope that we see through Abram that, that even, even when we mess up, Lord, we know that you're still there for us. We know that you still love us. We know that you're still pouring out grace and mercy on us. doesn't mean that we, can, we should continue to sin, Lord, not at all. But when we do mess up, Lord, we know that you're there. And we know that you are just. We know that you are forgiving. So I, I just lift everyone up here to you, Lord. If, if there's anything going on in their lives... I pray that you would you would free them from that, Lord, that you would help them to, to come to you and ask forgiveness, Lord, and, and to walk with you and just to open their heart to you, Lord, and to see things the way that you do. And I just thank you for, for all that are here, Lord, and I just pray as we go out this week that you would give us the opportunity to show your love, to show your grace, and to show your mercy to those that we encounter. And... I just pray for appointments and meetings, Lord, that you would give them to us to, to spread your word and to share your love, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you want to hand out the communion elements, and we'll do that. What? Oh, well, then, so, yeah, you and Danielle are going to have to do it then. Hey. Do you want me to go get everybody? I don't know who else over there. Uh, okay. Who? Maybe. Yeah, well, you go over and let everybody over there know that we're going to be hanging out and that. Yep. Huh? Oh, that's hurting. So again, um, for those of you who are married or want to learn how to deal with people better, we have the Love and Respect Conference Thursdays at 6. Um, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm really liking it. I, I actually forgot Wendy and I had gone through this before. 
until I saw his face up there. I'm like, oh, I remember that dude. Um, even if, um, well, Josh isn't here, so I can pick on him. Josh, Josh had said, I don't need that. My marriage is perfect. I'm like, dude, everybody's marriage has problems, man. I mean, everybody needs something. We, my, my wife and I, a couple years ago, we went into a uh, marriage counselor. Everybody's like, oh, something wrong? It's like, no. You know, we just, we weren't talking to each other the way that we should be. And we just wanted to go in there and see if there was something we were, needed help on. And everybody needs a little tune-up, you know? It, we, we get into, after you've been married for a long time, Wendy and I just did our 25th anniversary um, in March. Hey, Josh, I wasn't talking about you. Um, when, when we did our 25th wedding anniversary in March, it was like, you know, it, sometimes you begin to take things for granted or you don't, you don't treat people with, uh, with, I'll use their words, the love and respect that, that they're due. And you just need a little bit of help with that. And that conference is perfect. It's actually, he's kind of funny too. So it's, it's good. He's my kind of guy. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, uh, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all, drink of it all of you. For this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again until the fruit of the vine, um, until that day when I drink it anew when you are in my Father's kingdom. We, we learned last week that this was a Passover Seder that they were doing here. They were actually celebrating what we were talking about in our teaching here. The Israelites coming out of Egypt after 400 years of captivity. So Jesus was, they were celebrating that Passover, um, that Passover ritual there. And Jesus is sitting down and he's explaining to them, again, this goes back to God's giving information about stuff that hasn't happened yet, but he's telling them ahead of time, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and die. And they don't understand it. These guys don't grasp what he means by this. Well, a couple days they do. They get it. But the, the importance of the Lord's Supper is that we remember why God did this for us. Why did Christ go to the cross? And it's because of everything we just talked about in our teaching, that grace, that mercy, all those things that we could not earn on our own. He had to come and be that once and for all atonement for our sin. He had to be that propitiation, that stand-in, that person that said, I will cover this for all of them because they can't do it on their own. So let's go ahead and pray and we will just take our elements here. Lord, we just thank you again for, we thank you for your, your body, Lord, that was broken. The, the pain, the suffering, the things that you went through that you didn't, you didn't have to do, Lord, but you did because you loved us. You went to the cross, Lord, without saying a word. And you did it even knowing that, that we 
as people would continue to sin even after you paid this ultimate price for us. And I thank you for that. And we, so we take this bread, Lord. This really, really big piece of bread. We just thank you for that body. And as, as we take this juice, Lord, we just want to remember your blood that sacrifice that had to be paid for our sins. I I thank you, Lord, that you were willing to do it for a sinner like me, for a sinner like us, Lord, to be that once and for all atonement, be that shield so that I can come to you, Lord, without fear, that I can have peace even when I mess up. You paid that ultimate price, Lord, to show me that love and that grace, and I thank you for that. And I just pray for for us all as we just end here today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I think we're going to sing a song, and then we will be done.